America Can We Talk. Sometimes I just have to let that music play out. The music is by Krista Branch. Her husband writes the lyrics and the music, and she sings, and she sings her heart out. I love that message. I'm America. You are America. Everybody who gets involved, you know, you're running the place. And so, you know, do a good job. Okay. Top of the second hour. This is Debbie Georgiatis, America Can We Talk, my cruise through the news. I'm just going to hit a few stories to keep in mind. If I had more time, I would develop them. But we've talked many times in this show about George Soros, you know, a Hungarian-born, very evil man as a child who was Jewish, assisted the Nazis in rounding up other Jewish people to march them off to their deaths. I mean, truly, I mean, that was, a, as a child, has throughout his life developed into even a worse person if possible, runs Open Society Foundation, which, among other things, funds almost every evil cause you can think of in America. We did this one time. We'll do it again on this show. I'm going to have a guest in a few weeks to talk about the extraordinary tentacles of the Soros Foundation's money, all the other groups it goes into, the way in which you think that, that many movements in the country you're observing are just kind of organic. It's like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know that so many people supported blah, blah, blah. Well, they don't. It is a bought and paid for effort, and we need to be very aware of it. So George Soros, the news today, I wanted to share that he upped by 412% the amount of money he spent lobbying the United States government, this is between, he spent uh, between uh, April 1st and June 30th, so our American second quarter, $10.37 million, which is an increase of $8 million over the first quarter. Main things he's targeting, amazingly, in lobbying are foreign interests, foreign efforts. He's lobbying against choices President Trump has made with respect to uh, nominations of ambassadors to various countries. Um, and so it, he's... Uh, lobbying and things related to North Korea. And this is a guy, he does, to say the least, does not have America's best interests at heart. This is a guy who's pretty much against America He's because he does not, number one, ultimately, he does not like the idea of the American identity, the fabric and core of America. He doesn't really like nationality, American having a national identity. He doesn't, he hates religion. He views religion as part of the thing that caused the Holocaust, which is only the most twisted way he could arrive at that conclusion. But we should take a little lesson from the country of Hungary, his home country. Hungary has banned, now they didn't ban him by name or by group. They've banned all foreign funded NGOs. So the net effect of the Hungary parliament's decision is that finally Soros and his open society actually moved out of, left Hungary, said they could not function as being repressed. We should think about that. I mean, if I, I we probably run into some kind of issues we couldn't, but I love the idea that his own home country is recognized. This guy's a bad, 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 bad guy. Okay. Second is I wanted to just share, you know, there's a lot of talk about socialism um, in this country, and it's a great thing to have. I, I, am, I welcome the open conversation that's now finally occurring. I welcome the open conversation versus the effort to sell socialism uh, under the guise of we just want to help people, but 
next week we're going to have a more in-depth discussion about socialism. I want to hit on one, one idea and the whole notion that somehow things that cost money to be produced can be given free and no one is harmed by that. That's kind of one of the ideas of socialism. But there was an interesting thing. There was an interview by Mitch, of Mitch Daniels, the former governor of Indiana, who was on Fox News Business Network this week. He talked about the number of blue states drowning in, in his word, irretrievable debt. Taxpayers are on the hook for an astonishing looming bailout, mostly due to grotesque, his word, grotesque public sector pensions. A few examples. In California, some retired lifeguards, lifeguards, Okay, just make that clear. You sit there in the chair and maybe occasionally. I mean, I'm happy they're lifeguards at beaches, but still, lifeguards are receiving more than $90,000 a year in pensions. There's a retired university professor, uh, president in Oregon, who's receiving $76,000 per month. $76,000 that taxpayers of Oregon are paying some retired university president. The point is... In addition to the fact that these are just irresponsibly and, and impossibly, uh, they, they can't they can't be carried out. They can't be fulfilled. You, we're going to run out of money. Is that two points I wanted to make? One is that many of these states they've written these pensions into the constitution, so you can't just change the law. You have to you know go through the more difficult process of changing the constitution. The second point is socialism is always built on an irrational, fun, fundamentally irrational financial argument that somehow whatever people should have, they should just be given by society, by government, which always means if government's paying for it, it means you're paying for it, I'm paying for it, taxpayers pay for it. And this is the these are little microcosms of the kind of thinking that you're going to get out of this socialist mentality now, at least out in the open on the American left. Okay, I am Debbie Georgias. This is America Can We Talk. And before we zip off to our break, we have a great guest coming up the next segment. And for the rest of the show, Colonel John Antal, who's in here in studio with me. If you're watching on Facebook Live, here's his book, Seven Leadership Lessons of the American Revolution. Unbelievable. It's all my stickies, too. Unbelievably great book. Cannot wait to talk to him about it. Can't wait to share with you all of his lessons about leadership, but also just the idea of, as he argues, leaders aren't necessarily just born. You can learn to be a leader. I love this thought. Debbie George S., Colonel John Antel, America Can We Talk. Come right back. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. 
The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, Go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. Welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and I'm so excited, as I mentioned before the break, to have in studio Colonel John Antel. Hello, sir. 
Debbie, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. Thanks for coming. Okay, again, for our listeners on Facebook Live, I'm going to show you this book, Seven Leadership Lessons of the American Revolution. Honestly, I'm a total history wonk, and I loved it. I mean, truly, I was just like, I was trying, supposed to be preparing for the show today, and I was like, I want to reread that one passage one more time. I realized I'm wasting time doing this. But anyway, just, I mean, I wanted to be so ready. It's a great book, and I'll just tell you, in quick summary, it's real American history about the getting to the point of the Revolutionary War and then during the war told from the perspective or, or focused on one or in one case several people, but ultimately teaching lessons about leadership and giving examples of leadership. And there, it's such fast reading. You're thinking, I mean, and I, I as I said, I kind of love reading history. I still was just so absorbed. So first of all, just great book. I well, love Thank you books. so much. It's very kind of you to say that. Okay, so to start with, you have in the military, and I didn't even do much about your background. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Well, he is in the military, has taught leadership, is a still today a leadership coach. He is, I'm just going to tell you very, say very quickly, served 30 years in the U.S. Army, a combat arms officer, senior staff officer, airborne and ranger qualified, um, earned expert infantry badge, um, just, just a very, very, very prominent, uh, wonderful career in the, in the Army. But you focus on leadership. And I, something you said I want to start with is you said that leadership is teachable versus I think a lot of people think you're either a leader or you're not when you're born, but you think it's teachable. No, absolutely it's teachable. We all rise to the level of our leadership in life. If your leadership level is low, your life is hard. You can't get along with other people. You can't get things done. If your leadership level is high, you can do a lot of good for a lot of people. You can make you can make a difference. You can have influence. And leadership is, is the art of influence, and I believe a sacred trust. And so what we need to do is we need to think about how we can raise our leadership. And one of the things that I know that I have seen, because I've talked to thousands and thousands of leaders and had the great honor to train many, many leaders in the, in the Army and in civilian life and business afterwards, after I retired from the Army, is that leaders are, in fact, made. They're not born. You, in fact, learn how to be a leader. You learn how to be a leader from your parents. You learn how to be a leader from your, your school, from your activities, from everything that you do. And you can raise your level of leadership. And I've never met a leader yet who didn't read voraciously. You must read to lead. I love that read to lead. I just saw actually someplace, it was like the average CEO reads. I exactly. Know, I don't know what the number was, but a lot of more, a lot of books. And I read a lot. I still was impressed. I can't remember the number, but it was a you lot. You have to like fill your glass seven up. Seven books a month yeah, or if, you're, if your glass is always empty, you know, you're, you're going to be empty. You need to fill it up and fill up your brain with knowledge. So there are many good leadership books out there and many opportunities. I love telling stories. So I tell stories about leaders that I hope are dramatic and compelling and immersive and get you to think about how you can be a better leader in your home, in your family, in your community, in your organization, in your company. Okay, you also use the expression leadership quotient. Everybody yes. has a leadership quotient. What is that? Well, imagine if uh, you've heard a little bit about uh, maybe a uh, emotional quotient. Uh, well, you know, the idea is, where is your leadership? How would you rate yourself? If you were to say 10 was the highest and 1 is the lowest or 0 is the lowest, and, uh, and you were to rate yourself. Rate yourself in your leadership. You know, are you a 10? Are you a 5? Are you a 3? Where are you? And what you can do is you can develop your leadership. So if you know your leadership quotient and you can raise it, then you'll be more effective. Okay. Does leadership requiring having, require having a 
outgoing, gregarious personality? Every leader is different. Every leader is different. Every person is different. Don't be someone else. Be yourself. What I talk about when I when I talk about some of the leaders in, in the seven leadership lessons of the American Revolution or my latest book, Seven Leadership Lessons of D-Day, uh, I talk about people who are leaders in dramatic circumstances because they make great stories. Now, those leaders, those leaders, you know, they they weren't any any they weren't the same. They were all different. They were all individuals. Don't try to be, uh, you know, like someone else. Be yourself, but learn how to take lessons from every leader that you can think of. Learn from Alexander the Great. Learn from George Washington. You know, learn from Teddy Roosevelt. Learn from all the people that you can because, you know, they're at your elbow if you think about it. All you have to do is get a book, and you can have an evening with Teddy Roosevelt. You can actually learn from him, and you can learn from other people and great leaders in our, in our you know, more recent leaders in business and in, and, in, and in government. So if you seek out leadership, you'll learn. Okay. I love that idea. And I think it's very inspiring because I think a lot of people look around. I, I'm very immersed in the political world. I'm kind of just always thinking about candidates, elected officials. How do you get people to believe the right ideas of about America? Um, and I think a lot of people kind of sit at home and think, I'm just so frustrated or I'm so disappointed. I can't figure out how to be impactful. So this is very inspiring. You're saying everyone can develop those qualities. One thing you talked about that I want to just hit on, I talk about in all of my speeches, I at some point, or almost I'll make reference to the idea that the Declaration of Independence is the single most important document in all of world history after the Bible. I mean, in absolutely, li- I totally concur. It is my favorite document, and uh, you know, Bible first, Declaration of Independence second. And the reason I say that is because it it defines the American spirit. It gives us everything that we need to understand what America is all about. Yeah, you're singing my tune. I told you, I, I've not met Colonel Antal until tonight, but when he came in, I said, wow, your book is just what my show is all about. Okay, so I want to focus on the creation of the Declaration of Independence. I had never realized until reading your book, you know, when you think about how profound the words are, and so many people certainly know the beginning of the Declaration, but they know a lot of the, the, the arguments and the, and the passion of it. It was written in such a short period of time. I mean, almost staggering, and, and by Thomas Jefferson, by first draft anyway. But, I mean, you would think, you know how people struggle for and, – and he didn't have a word processor No, either. he didn't, and he didn't have a smartphone, yet he was still smart. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. See that? Okay. But on a serious note, the idea, those profound ideas – I know he didn't invent them, but still it's extraordinary what he did. Well, Jefferson, he was a reader. You know, he need, he knew that if you want to lead, you have to read, and he studied, and he studied – uh, the, the the history of mankind and government. He understood John Locke, and he understood Rousseau, and he understood the Magna Carta, and he understood Roman law and, and, the, and the story of, of the Roman Republic and the Roman Empire. He understood how those things impacted today. You see, today wasn't invented 15 minutes ago. Uh, we actually can learn from the past, and if you can learn from the past, you can use that to be a better leader. And Jefferson, although he was the primary uh, writer of the Declaration also had to deal with John Adams and Ben Franklin. And what an amazing uh, trio that was. <laughs> yeah. With the, you, you recounted something in there where I guess John Adams asked Thomas Jefferson to write it, and he yes. first said, no, I don't want to <laughs> no, do that. That's right. they, they bantered back and they forth. Did. Yeah. But, I mean, you think of these people, you know, they're, they're, just, they're, they're bigger than life than our history. They're bigger in life than our— Yeah, but it, they could have all been hung. And we have to understand this. They were on the knife's edge. They were there— they were talking about rebellion against the greatest empire on earth that had never been done before. 
Americans were colonies, and they were treated with with disrespect and not the rules and rights of a, of a, of a British citizen. And therefore, after a series of of, of egregious uh, outcomes where they were overtaxed and misrepresented, but mostly mistreated, Americans said enough, and we're going to be separate, and we're going to have our independence. And that was a tremendous leap because every one of the signers of the Declaration and everyone who took up the cause could have been shot as traitors, and many died in the effort. Absolutely, and lost everything. Those signers right. lot lost everything, yeah. Okay, we still have a minute and a half in this segment, and I just, among the other things related to that, that beginning segment was, I hadn't realized until uh, reading your book that when the uh, Continental Congress came together in Philadelphia, I'd always thought they had decided they were going to declare independence but they had to figure out what they were doing. They hadn't decided yet. They were they were debating. And you mentioned the role of Benjamin Franklin being a persuader or an influencer in like 30 seconds. Want to embellish that at all? Yeah, he was amazing. Uh, he was a great influencer. And, and he he understood the desire and the need for American independence. And he had to persuade everyone there, along with many others. Everyone had to vote unanimously. Otherwise, if we didn't hang together, we'd hang separately. So he said... He did. Yeah. I mean, that, I got to tell you, you, I'm serious, folks. I, I know I, re, I recommend books all the time, but this will, you'll feel like you just are back in school. In fact, I was thinking, what did I ever learn about? I mean, I don't remember what grade I was in, but I just felt like I relearned so much. And I just, and again, you know, what this show is about when I dedicate everything I do is just the idea that it's almost impossible to overvalue the extraordinary country created by our founders, the extraordinariness of America. We come back from the break. We're going to talk about what it means to say America is exceptional. I know I say it all the time, and I hear people say, well, you know, and, and, you know, President Obama said, well, you know, America, we think we're exceptional. The Greeks think they're exceptional. The idea of why America is exceptional matters, because it's part of what, what we are defending in America today is the basis of our extraordinariness. Debbie Georgettis, Colonel John Antal, be right back. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Have you heard of the Policy Circle? It's a national network of women who come together in neighborhood conversations to discuss the public policies impacting their communities. You can think of it as a book club, but instead of reviewing a book, members discuss public policy issues. Policy Circle members have access to membership-only resources and benefits that complement a thoughtful framework for women to come together and have fact-based discussions. From healthcare to poverty... 
From free enterprise to education, from fiscal responsibility to the First Amendment, we discuss the issues that shape America. Change starts with a conversation. Conversations happen when women across the nation are connected and engaged in their communities, openly sharing their views and taking a leadership role in policy dialogue on what human creativity can accomplish in a free economy. Are you ready to join a growing network of engaged women? To join or start your own policy circle, visit thepolicycircle.org today. That's thepolicycircle.org. America is greatly blessed by the men and women serving in our military who are defending us every day, making our freedom possible. Military families also serve, and they face hardships while dads and moms are far from home. Military families endure frequent moves around the country and overseas, requiring them to adjust to new schools and make new friends over and over. They also face anguish while their soldiers deployed overseas, often in harm's way. The Army Scholarship Foundation offers one way to help military families by providing academic scholarships to children and spouses of soldiers. And you can help. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and consider making a tax-deductible donation to help a military family member pursue his or her educational dreams. Assisting military family members with their college education is a great way for all of us at home to say thank you to our military families for your service and sacrifice. Visit ArmyScholarshipFoundation.org and get involved today. America guarantees each eligible adult citizen the right to vote. The Public Interest Legal Foundation, a 501c3 public interest law firm, is dedicated entirely to election integrity, to assuring that voter rolls include names of only citizens eligible to vote, and that protections are in place to prevent voter fraud of all kinds. The Public Interest Legal Foundation discovered that more than 1,000 non-citizens enrolled to vote in Virginia in just eight counties, and in Philadelphia, felons as well as non-citizens are on the voter rolls. Non-citizens have been registering to vote and voting. The Public Interest Legal Foundation is fighting nationwide and in Texas to ensure that only Americans pick American leaders. We are actively litigating high-impact cases to clean up voter rolls and protect the ballot box. If you do not want your vote canceled out, visit publicinterestlegal.org to join us in the fight to restore integrity to American elections. Protect your vote. Visit publicinterestlegal.org today. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm Debbie Georgiatis, and in studio with me, I'm so happy to have Colonel John Antel. How did I do pronouncing it? Okay, I did well. Good. All right. So we were talking before the break. I mentioned this this great book. I just can't encourage you strongly enough. Uh, Seven Leadership Lessons of the American Revolution. I'm putting the middle so you can see it. Okay. And yeah, you hold it up. There you go. Okay, so my friend Lisa Luby Ryan, who happens to be running for state rep, she gave me this book uh, and another book of his that relates to D-Day. Uh, she gave me these for my birthday, and um, which is recent in, in May, and just says, you've got to read these. are really great. So uh, I'm now devouring them. And actually, my husband read the D-Day one, and um, I told him I will get to that next when we go on vacation. But in any case, uh, they're just stellar books, and they just make you feel inspired about America. But I really want to hit on... Um, he describes these extraordinary stories. I mean, you really, it's a page-turning kind of feel, but about the founding, what the, what the people fighting for America's independence went through. The one story I want to have you, or one point I want to hit on right now, though, relates to exceptionalism. And people, that term has been mocked. In fact, it was very much attacked by um, 
various figures, uh, left-wing figures, uh, just basically as though it was a uh, xenophobic or it was a hateful of other races or hateful of other people concept. But America's exceptionalism is not about race, and it's not even about um, the... uh, it's just it's it's all about ideas instead of people or in my view it is so would you tell our listeners with all of your thought about america and history and leadership what is american exceptionalism yeah debbie this is so important and i think that if if um if you listen to what i'm going to talk about when it comes to freedom you can you can discuss any issue any issue any political issue uh in this way and it will help you it'll give you a framework to understand First, I believe that, that um, uh, there are three freedoms. The first freedom is national freedom. America is ruled by America. China, by the way, is ruled by China, so they have national freedom. Russia is ruled by Russians. They have national freedom. In fact, millions of people have died around the world for national freedom. Over 30 million Russians in World War II died mm-hmm. for national freedom. Uh, the Chinese would fight and die for national freedom. I was just recently in Cuba, and I would tell you the Cubans would fight and die for national freedom. So national freedom is important. And when you have a globalist agenda, you have no national freedom, by the way. Second thing is, the second freedom is political freedom. The concept that it was written in our Declaration of Independence and also enshrined in our Constitution, that we represent people who are supposed, we elect people who are supposed to represent us. We elect representatives in a republic who are supposed to understand the issues and vote for us. And the third issue, the third freedom, is individual freedom. And individual freedom was guaranteed in our Constitution by the Bill of Rights. And the Bill of Rights was specifically added to the Constitution because the framers of the Constitution had just fought a long and bitter Revolutionary War for Independence against the greatest power on earth, Great Britain. And they were not about to have some elite, some plutocracy, some autocracy come back and take their power and take their liberty, take their liberty, but use power to take their liberty. So the three freedoms are national freedom, political freedom, and individual freedom. Russia has national freedom. Do they have political freedom? No. Is this a quiz? No. <laughs> they don't. I mean, yeah. Putin can. Putin is elected because he's elected, and uh, no one runs against him unless uh, uh, they fear for their lives. Um, and usually it's a show. Right. Do they have individual freedom? No. In fact, if you look at the three freedoms I just outlined, they are greater in America than anywhere else on Earth. That doesn't mean America is perfect. It means that America, ha- you have here the greatest opportunity for liberty, for those three freedoms, and you have to maintain those three freedoms. And if you do not maintain those three freedoms, you will lose them because, sad as it is, the universal truth of humankind is that power rules. Power, not liberty, is the universal truth. Americans believe often that all people around the world want liberty. They want the three freedoms. Not true. When we went to Iraq, we thought they might want those three freedoms, but they didn't want those three freedoms. They only wanted national freedom. They didn't want the rest. Although some people might want political freedom in Iraq, some people might want individual freedom in Iraq, 
the long tendency over time is that doesn't exist. And the same thing happens across the world. From the history of man, from when we first formed tribes to today, if you took a long line across that history and you made it a light or a dark line, dark when it was when people were ruled by autocrats, czars, kings, dictators, generals, by 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 theocrats, and you made that dark, and then you put all the dots along that line where there was liberty, that line from the beginning of humankind history, from the beginning of human history to today, would be mostly dark. There are some bright spots, but very little ones. A short period where ancient Greece, for 70 years in Athens, had some liberty, but only for men. Mm-hmm. In the Roman Republic, where there was some liberty and some rule of law, until the empire came in. With the Magna Carta in England, and then later on, a little bit in, in, in English history, and then you see the America. Now, this doesn't mean we're perfect, but it means we have the greatest opportunity for liberty. And that's because we, in this country, in this nation, believe that the rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. That we, the people, determine the government, and not the government giving us their their uh, blessings. The government works for us. We, the people. That's why the Constitution says, we, the people. And that's why in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And for us to make that happen, we had to fight a horrible civil war, and we still have to struggle today, but that's our ideal. That's the American spirit. And for us to grow into that, for us to keep thinking about that, for us to embrace that is what liberty is all about. And that's why we're exceptional, because in this nation, other, unlike all others, we have the greatest opportunity for that liberty if we so work for it. We can surrender it any time, and every generation has to fight to maintain it. Otherwise, we will surrender it. And as you know, power rules. And you see power in Washington. Whenever there's concentrated authority, you see power, and that power will always fight against liberty. I feel like we should just say, well, good night now. <laughs> Such a great summary. <laughs> what he just said, I, I want to uh, touch on a couple of points about exceptionalism. Um, I, I love everything you said, and I couldn't agree more, and it's just an astonishing gift. I And we're going to talk after the next break you know, about where we are in America in terms of holding on to it and what political trends are popular, what ideas are popular that, that, that can work away at that liberty. I have argued, though, on the subject of exceptionalism, that what the founders wrote, what Thomas Jefferson wrote, what ended up in the Declaration, was really a statement of natural rights, which I know you I know, know that you know that too, but I mean, it was a notion really that this is what's true of the universe, that it's not just for Americans, we're making a special rule for us that we, you know, we're Absolutely. all created equal. It was, it was a, a recognition of, of philosophers over the centuries for everyone. Well, if I, then you can disagree if you want. But, and therefore, every nation could replicate this. I mean, we are exceptionalism. The reason it's not xenophobic or intolerant or any other dumb word is because what we created, it is replicable if a nation chose to pursue it. It's not just for us. And second is that, and this is maybe a slight disagreement, I don't know, but, you know, I think that in the human heart, you know, that an infant before any 
cognition of life or family or country or state, you have that inborn desire for liberty. You may have it worked out of you. You may have it, you know, acculturated out of you, you know, just just crushed out of you. So when you say, for example, in what country was it? We say you didn't or care, Russia. Iraq or Russia. Yeah, or right. Iraq. Yeah. Anyway, I, I do think that cultures have crushed that, and they, they may again, but the idea of liberty, is, is it, it's in the human heart. I think it's a God-given desire for that, and I think that America affirm that for us but i but this idea that we think we're better than everybody else we just think our ideas are better you can have them if you want or don't and and now we have like 30 seconds but go ahead exceptionalism doesn't mean better exceptionalism means exceptional meaning it's exceptional it's light on that line of darkness if darkness is all power then we have that little bit of light so we have the opportunity for liberty and as far as everyone being able to have this certainly Thomas Jefferson talked about an empire of liberty. He Mm -hmm. talked about the idea that the entire world could embrace this. However, what happened in the French Revolution? They embraced power. They did. And on that note, if you're just tuning in, I'm sorry for you. But if you're watching on Facebook Live, we're going to zip off to break, come back after four minutes. And on radio, we'll be right back to Debbie Georgiatis, Colonel John Antel, and author of Seven Leadership Lessons, the American Revolution. This is America Can We Talk. Come right back. Do you dream of a better world? One where poverty and hunger are a thing of the past? What if you could make a real difference in the lives of those most in need? The solution to poverty is not handouts, but hope. The freedom and opportunity to use one's talents and resources for good. At Five Talents, we empower the poor to start their own small businesses. Five Talents works in some of the most difficult places in the world. With $85, you can help a new entrepreneur escape from poverty and build a sustainable business that helps her whole family. Can you think of anywhere else your gift can work that effectively? When you walk with five talents, you bring opportunity to those most in need. Join us in demonstrating the greatness of American generosity. Visit 5talents.org today to learn about the impact you can make. That's 5talents.org. F-I-V-E talents.org. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. The right to freedom of speech, to be who you are and to speak your mind, is a foundational American value enshrined in the First Amendment to our Constitution. And nowhere is that value more important than on America's college campuses. 
But too often on our campuses, unpopular political opinions or religious beliefs are met with censorship or even violence instead of honest dialogue and discussion. And Texas colleges are no exception. Schools like the University of Texas at Austin, Sam Houston State University, and the University of North Texas all place burdensome restrictions on free speech. That's why the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education, FIRE, fights back against the censors to defend liberty on America's college campuses. Does your college or alma mater uphold our most cherished American value of freedom of speech? Find out by visiting thefire.org and consider lending FIRE your support. Our military and veterans have served all of us, defending our nation whenever and wherever duty calls. But at home, when their families need support, they know they can turn to Operation Homefront for help. Operation Homefront provides military families with critical financial assistance, transitional and permanent housing, and family support programs throughout the year to help prevent their short-term needs from turning into long-term struggles. When you support Operation Homefront, your donation will make a real difference because 92% of their expenditures go directly towards programs that our military families need most. Each year, Operation Homefront serves thousands of military families, families in your community, helping wounded veterans transition to civilian life, helping military families pay overdue bills when their loved ones deploy overseas, and helping them through their short-term struggles. Make a difference today and help serve America's military families. Visit OperationHomefront.org. That's OperationHomefront.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Folks, I just love, I feel so blessed to have this opportunity to speak to you, with you, um, every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. I hope you tune in. If you're on Facebook Live, you can scroll down and see all the old shows are always there. Also, I want to urge you to go to our YouTube channel. If you just put in YouTube, America Can We Talk, and, or my name, Debbie Georgiatis, um, you can, it'll come up with uh, all of our past interviews. Um, I do stuff on Fox and other uh, media outlets, and I, everything is up there, all of our interviews, all my first fives uh, from the show. And I just, you know, I, I love and encourage you to join the conversation about America. You can email me. My radio-related email is americacanwetalk at gmail.com. And also, if you want to go to um, Twitter, it's at Debbie Can We Talk. I just think a lively conversation among patriots is is an extraordinary uh, – it's a gift in a country with free speech. And we ought to be the ones – all of us who love this country ought to be speaking more about what it stands for and what it, what it means to hold on to it, which is what I want to turn to in this segment now, which is how we hold on to all this. You know um, – this book, I mean, even though I, I may even I majored in government in college to focus on American history, I loved it. But um, I learned so much, and we were talking in the break about how young people don't learn this. I mean, we didn't. You neither you nor I learned this in the detail like you write. But you know, we first of all, I'm sure you share the concern that there aren't there are too many Americans who don't know how extraordinary the country is, how exceptional. But how do we get there? How do we get young people to to understand this great gift America is so they will fight to hold on to it too? Well, Debbie, you do it every day, and everyone should follow your lead. <gasps> Thank uh, you. Quite frankly, uh, we need to talk. We need to lead. Leadership is so important. Uh, one of the things that I do is I, I teach leadership around the country, and, and uh, uh, if you ever want uh, a, a leadership uh, uh, speaker for your group, 
or if you ever want to have someone talk about some of the issues that we've been talking about today, please, you can reach me at American-Leadership.com. That's American-Leadership.com. And what I do is I, I talk about not only important leadership stories like we've talked about here, but I also talk about how you can raise your leadership. And if your leadership level is high, you can do a lot of really good things for the people that you know and for, your, for our country. And so it's important to understand how to influence people. And one of the things I, I do is I say, first, for instance, what is your definition of leadership? What is leadership to you? And most people are leaders. You're leading your family. You're leading your, your company. You're leading uh, in an organization. Uh, you're leading people all the time. But if you don't know what leadership is, if you don't do what Socrates says, which is to first to understand something, to define it, to define it, to really understand mm-hmm. it and have it in your heart and your head, have that definition in your heart and your head, then it's very difficult for you to communicate it. So leadership is crucial. And when you're talking about how we need to maintain our liberty here in the United States, first I think you need to be able to define what freedom is. And that's why earlier in the in the conversation I talked about the three freedoms, the freedom of, number one, national freedom, of political freedom, number two, and number three, individual freedom. You can look at any issue, and you can discuss those three freedoms and figure out whether it's an issue that you want to support to keep our nation going. So, for instance, if somebody says we shouldn't have any borders, if we say that we shouldn't have any borders, does that help national freedom? No, it destroys national freedom. Would that increase your political freedom? That would decrease your political freedom. Would it increase your individual freedom? It would decrease your individual freedom. So the whole idea of no borders goes against the concept of individual, of national, of political and individual freedom. Those are some of the liberties that we've fought hard for for over the years, not just soldiers and not just patriots who've had to be on the battlefield, but people who have to work every day to try to teach, lead, and coach people so that they understand how to be good citizens in this nation of ours. I love all of that, but I want to just um, not play devil's advocate, but just kind of bring us back to the reality some reality that we're facing in America, which is that there's so much argument of the of the left from the left, very left wing thought that is actually popular and acceptable in America, which is selling socialism as an example. Socialism is a means of sharing would be their argument of making life fairer. And I, I have viewed socialism as I argue all the time. It's inconsistent with the idea of America. You can't have socialism and America. But you allude to in your book, this is in a chapter called Exceptionalism, Liberty and Leadership. Um, you talked about the idea that, um, you know, we're, we're uh, the challenge is fundamental. I can't find the right. We're in danger of surrendering our liberty. The challenge is fundamental. What kind of government we want to have, one that's everywhere or limited forces. And so I just what, what do the what are the forces you see in America today that are threatening our liberty? Well, first of all, those who believe in power and don't believe in liberty, they want to use words and they want to frame the arguments in such a way so that they shut you down. The first thing they do is try to control the language. You know, it's not abortion. It's women's rights. Women's health. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's not um, uh, having uh, our borders secure. It's about freedom and liberty for everyone across the globe. Um, it's, about, it's about being transnational. It's about being, you know, a, a, a non-defined geographic entity. It's uh, all these things that people will use to try to control, yeah, yeah. to control the language. What you have to do is you have to read to lead, and you have to 
fill your mind with positive arguments and understand positive ideas and understand how you should act when you deal with folks who are intransigent. Now, there are some people that you can debate with and you can have an argument based on its logic. There are some people who believe in power who will just try to shut you down. And what you have to do is understand those circumstances. But what's most important is we need to talk and discuss amongst each other so that we know how valuable our liberty is, how important the three freedoms that we have are, and how those three freedoms impact everything we do every day. And if you can do that, then you have a really good framework to be able to argue any issue, to be able to discuss any issue. So, for instance, let's talk about any issue that you want. I mean, let's talk about the National Space Program. Just for example, why is that good or bad? Well, it helps our national uh, identity. It helps our political um, uh, freedom because it allows us to build things and get, reach out and, and learn new things and go to new places. And it also increases our individual liberty in many ways because it allows us to see the greatness of the individual in trying to be an a, a, a explorer and to see new places. To break boundaries. Exactly and, yeah. right. And, and it, it, it inspires the imagination. So you can use this idea for almost anyone. Now, that was a very simple one. You get into a more you know, area of greater conflict, and you can start talking about how this is important in almost any issue. So first of all, understand, understand the framework on how to be able to discuss issues. Raise your leadership by reading. Study as much as you can in the area that you need to know about if you're going to be uh, debating issues with other people. But most importantly, know what your nation stands for. Know what the flag is. Know why we care for it so dearly and why we think liberty here in the United States and why America is so exceptional. Think about that long line that I talked about from the beginning of history to today and how it's mostly dark because most of the human beings in the world were ruled by autocrats, dictators, generals, czars, thugs, theocrats, people who gave them no liberty. And we have these very small, very little bright lights that are the light in this dark line. And that's why we're exceptional, because the long saga of humankind is dark. It is no longer freedom. It is no longer liberty. It is all autocracy. And there is no, there is no left and right. There is only up and down. There is only up toward liberty or down toward autocracy. So fascism and communism are down on the dung heap of autocracy. And if you want someone to say, hey, it doesn't matter, just do what I say, that's autocracy. Autocratic rule is what many of these folks on the left believe in. That's why they all vote the same way sometimes. That's why they believe in shutting down the argument that the debate is over. I've never seen a subject where that wasn't important enough that we couldn't debate. Debate is never over unless, of course, you have been silenced, and that's done by power. So what we have to do is think about how we are exceptional because that is the light of humankind. Imagine if America had failed. Imagine if our revolution had been crushed. Imagine if every signer of the Declaration of Independence had been hung. Imagine if General George Washington had been drawn and quartered in London. Imagine if we had been ruled by a king and kings stayed in power forever. Now there are very few kings in the world. Now there are more opportunities for liberty. Those were wonderful, great times and very dramatic times. We must never forget how important that is. And we have people around the world today who admire and respect America for its liberty and for its freedom and understand it. And there's others who fear it dramatically because they are for power. And they want no such thing happening in their country. They do not want liberty in their countries. Go to Venezuela 
and tell me they want liberty. Go to China and try to go from one city to the next without a passport and permission from your commissar. Yeah. Go to Russia and say something bad about Putin and see what happens. Go to France and get in trouble and have a, have a, a court appearance and realize that you don't get a jury of your peers, that, that, the, that in fact they use Napoleonic law and that the, the, the judge will decide, not your jury. Those are the things that we take for granted. If you're just tuning in, too bad for you. But if you're just tuning in, I want to mention again, because we've been speaking this uh, this last 45 minutes uh, with the author of this book, which we've been discussing, uh, Seven Leadership Lessons of the American Revolution by Colonel John Antal, who's in studio, Antal. And uh, the website he has is American-leadership.com. The great thing about what he does is not just that he explains the roots of America's liberty and exceptional nature and all that, but he's... Teaching leadership today, inspiring people to believe uh, that they can be leaders, too. So I just can't thank you enough for coming in tonight. Debbie, it's my honor. Thank you very much for having me on your show, and I hope I can come back again someday. Oh, you'll be back. I hope. I hope so, too. Outstanding. I want to mention one other thing, too, that I tell my—in a lot of my speeches, I used to give these uh, workshops called— politically speaking. And I basically was telling people that everybody, you have a sphere of influence. If you have an issue you care about, I I hope you care about every issue facing America. If you have an issue you care about, develop your talking points about it. Don't just kind of know in your heart you really do care about this and not that, but develop them. Be sure you're clear on them and be ready to speak them because every time you hear someone say something that you know isn't right, if you drive home that night thinking, doggone it, I wish I had said something, you, you kind of drop the ball. You drop the ball on that issue and really for America because every one of us has – we shape America's future not just by voting, not just by – but by being part of the American political conversation every single day. And thanks for tuning in. This is America Can We Talk. We're back every Sunday, 6 to 8 p.m. Tune Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the Facebook Live. Love talking with you so much and we'll talk to you next week on America Can We Talk. Thank you for listening to America Can We Talk with Debbie Georgiatis. To learn more or to contact Debbie, go to AmericaCanWeTalk.org. America Can We Talk, truth about America. America.